1: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low-intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas
0: station or grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member
1: FDIC.
2: We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC 225, a card I've been looking forward to for a very long time. I'm sure these guys are as well. Main events, in my opinion, Robert Whitaker, UL Romero, Rafael Dos Anjos, Colby Kelvington. I am your host for Fight IQ, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, along with the co-host, the really important guy the analyst. It is Real Chris, Ol- Chris Olsen, whose Twitter is at Real Chris Olson, and Joe, at Sun Tzu. Guys, are you, are you as pumped for this card as I am? We're finally here.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, a, little uh, bit, a little bit of drama, though, right, Chris? A little bit of drama, uh... 0.2 pounds, and we miss a title fight. Uh, so it goes, I guess. But still looking forward to pretty much every fight on this card, maybe a couple clunkers, but really looking forward to it from a DFS perspective. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get going. If this is I mean,
1: your first. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say there was a – I'm not going to mention it on the air, but there, follow me on Twitter. No, actually, don't follow me on Twitter. Just check out my Twitter. You don't have to follow me on Twitter. There was a very unique way that a, a person suggested – that um, that uh, wait could that, have been yeah. made. Uh, I'm not going to repeat it on this uh, on this no. very very formal podcast, but um, it had me laughing out loud so hard. Uh, people around me thought I was a lunatic because I was just laughing out loud so hard. But
2: that whole that whole Slack chat got, got a little out of hand. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if this is your first time watching uh, Fight IQ. You could also be listening to it. Uh, This will be the first episode that will be on the Roto-Wire feed on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Make sure and check out those sources. This is a DraftKings-specific breakdown for MMA fights. Uh, So we're going to roll through everything with kind of a a DraftKings focus, which me personally, I do a video, a really condensed video like that, and I have a few instances that I think – the better DraftKings play isn't my pick to win the fights. So for that reason, I think it's a really interesting card. Again, this episode, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all their usual premium content for 10 days free, no credit card required, hooking you up for season-long and daily fantasy sports in pretty much every sport. And with that, guys, I think it's time we uh, jump into the first fight because some of the fights on the Fight Pass prelims, are damn good ones. This is... Even even the, the very first fight, I think, would make for a good prelim on most cards. It is Dan Ige, 8,300, kicking on Mike Santiago, 7,900. And right off the bat, we get to talk about one of Joe's favorite topics. You know, we don't. The line, is, the line has jumped all over the place. You know, we are going to get to some of Joe's favorite topics because in the, in that's line movement and line value. In the last six hours... Some of these lines have gone totally crazy. There have been some big moves. Megan Anderson, Rashad Coulter, and this fight included, because last time I saw this fight, Dan, I- Dan Ige was a minus 150 favorite. He's now a minus 125 favorite. Mike Santiago's plus 105. The price is on DraftKings, 8,300, 7,900. So it's priced about right. Joe, how do you have this fight for me? I like Ige in, in a wrestling-based decision, but it's, it's a close one.
1: Okay, first of all, I predict that this line will flip. Um, and uh, I like Santiago here a bit, a little bit. Um, these are both two uh, Dana White uh, Contender Series graduates. Um, they did, they did uh, Santiago absolutely no, no favors in throwing him up against Zabit for his first fight. Um, his second fight, he looked okay against the Mads Brunel, who came in overweight on that fight. He lost that fight via decision. Uh, this guy is 28 years old, but he's got a ton of fights under his belt. Now, he has been susceptible to submissions. I do think he's a better athlete than uh, Ige. Um, also, there is a Chicago connection for Santiago. His gym, I believe it's called Top Notch is an Illinois slash Chicago suburbs-based gym. He does have Ricardo Lamas as a trading partner. This will essentially be a home fight for him. I do try to add small amounts of narrative where they do fit. Um, Ige, look, I mean, nothing super impressed me about him. Um, I might have been on him before I knew how good uh, Arce was. He fought Arce in his his post-Dana White contender series fight. Um, He is more of a quote-unquote ground fighter, um, I don't know if he's that supremely good or athletic enough to dominate Santiago on the ground. I do believe Santiago has got the stand up advantage. I do believe he's got the experience advantage. Um, and I like his price at 7.9K, especially if the line flips.
2: So for me, I just think Ige is a better technical grappler, but I do think Santiago has the advantage on the feet. So I think we're pretty much on the same page that I'm going to favor the grapple, just because I've seen some position slips from Santiago. I like both guys in GPPs. Uh, Chris, where are you going?
3: Yeah, um, I was surprised at how much I liked Santiago after I watched some tape. Um, as I talked about, I think it was last week when we, when we talked about for uh he likes to pressure. Both these guys like to pressure, so it'll be interesting to see who wins the pressure war on the feet. But once we get past that, um, you know, Ige is mostly just an overhand right, hard single strike guy, I think. Santiago is a better combination puncher. I think he has a deeper striking game. I also think his his wrestling game is good enough. I mean, if we look at um, if we look at Danny Gale, he got taken down a lot by Luis Gomez in his uh, contender series fight. So I'm not even that prepared to say that um, Ige is the better grappler, like by a lot, because we haven't really seen it. Um, I think Santiago is good. Is pretty good at holding position. I think he's good at working ground and pound. Um, I don't know. I just think they do a lot of the same things, but I think Santiago does some of them better. And until we, we see, you know, a, a big, uh, a big, a big showing from that, uh, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt pedigree, I'm not really going to fear it too much. And I'm going to take Santiago here as a good, solid dog for the first place.
2: Well, speaking of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu pedigree, we have Charles Dubronx Oliveira 8400 taking on Clay the Carpenter Guida. Joe mentioned a Chicago connection in the last fight. Guida is a Chicago guy. This fight is actually pretty simple and very complicated because it's going to go one of two ways. Guida is going to pressure Charles Oliveira and either make him quit or he's going to get caught in a submission. If it stays in the feet, I don't even know who to favor. Maybe Oliveira, but that's not saying saying a ton. Uh, at, at this fight. Guida's going to pressure and it's going to come down to whether Olivera quits or just catches him in the trap. I know I, I just repeated exactly what I said in the open but that it's worth repeating cuz <laughs> that's, that's how this fight is going to go. I initially was more on Clay Guida. Now I think I might be leaning back towards Charles Oliveira. It's one of the fights I'm flip-flopping on. The most probably the one I am flip-flopping on the most as of this second it gives me Charles Oliveira. I did my own my own solo video Wednesday. And I pick Clay uh, Guida, so that's how I feel about this fight. Do you have any way to kind of help me break this stalemate, Chris? Uh,
3: well, I, I think I think you pretty well covered it um, about about the pressuring of Guida, and I think I think I would be clear on taking uh, Dubronx Bronx if he wasn't coming in on short notice here, but because he is, I think the Guida has a has a better shot to break him. I still think that I still am going to favor. Um, Bronx here I think his striking is is a bit underrated I think he's got good crisp short punches I also think you know he's he's not just a, a brilliant uh guy which he is he's got seamless transitions but he's also a, a pretty good wrestler he can execute a double leg you know he can time reactive takedowns so you know he's got hard body kicks again on the feet um so Guida I think he's 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 good at, again, pressuring. He likes to throw, um, you know, winging hooks and straight punches and crowd in. He'll actually fake his doubles and come back up to strike, which I like about him. Um, If I had to lean, I'm going to lean Oliveira just because if you look at Oliveira, I mean, even in the fights he loses, going back three or four fights, he always has some measure of success. He'll take somebody's back, or he'll get him in a darts choke, or, I mean, he might not finish from there, but he, he always has pretty sustained measures of success. And uh, we know that Guida's susceptible to being submitted. And I feel like if he gets Guida's back or gets him in a guillotine, um, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna be able to respond. And I think it's at least even on the feed. So that makes me want to go for uh, Charles Oliver.
2: Joe, you got Dubrongs? I mean, you are a Jersey guy.
1: <laughs> that's a, that's a, a word play. Um, I, it is I uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm taken away by that. Um, no, I, I have, I like Oliveira here. I think this is a bad stylistic matchup for Clay Guida. Um, you know, the guys who give, uh, Bronx problems are guys that hit hard and pressure hard. I think that, you know, Clay Guida has got great cardio. Um, he ran through a very, very finished and washed up. Um, Joe Lozon. Um, I don't know that he hits hard enough, um, and he is susceptible to having his bat back, back taken. With that said, I, I see Oliveira as having a better, as having a higher ceiling than a floor. Um, he typically does not win when fights. You know, he's not a decision fighter. He either wins by submission or he tends to lose. So, with that said, I, I don't know how comfortable I would feel about playing either one of these guys in cash. Um, because it could be a relatively quick submission um, if you're on Guida. You know, you're attracted by his price and you're on Guida, um, or or a slow, grindy type of decision, which, you know, who knows who's going to win um, if it goes to decision. So I like Oliveira a lot. Um, I'm going to be using him a lot in GPPs. I just don't see him as cash viable.
2: Moving on to our next fight, we have a fight that I can't believe is down here on the fight past prelims, but that's how good most of this card is. There's a few fights that could be down here, but I digress. We have Joseph Benavidez, 9,000, taking on Sergio Pettis, 7,200. This is one of those fights where I think the underdog, especially on DK, is really getting a lot of hype, is viable, and I'm not on board with this one. Sergio Pettis is okay, but Pettis brothers, and in this case, they are the same. They don't stop takedowns. Benavidez... Be better on the feet. The only guys he's ever lost to are Dominic Cruz and and Demetrius Johnson. I think he can wrestle Pettis if he wants to. I see tons of paths to victory for Joseph Benavides. It's more the price tag that is an issue for me. And I I think a lot of people are going to be wasting some money on on Sergio Pettis, but he could, I'm thinking he's going to be a popular dog. Joe, what's your read on this fight?
1: Okay, so there's a couple narratives here and three three points, um, two of which have nothing to do with fighting. Um, the narratives we we have, you know, Joe Benavides coming off of a pretty severe injury, eighteen month layoff. Um, you know that you know again, this is a speed weight division, so I'm really interested to see how this has affected his speed. You know, at at this weight, you know, it's all about speed and scrambles. i um, generally guys don't hit hard enough to knock each other out. Um, you know, so I'm interested to see how that works. Um, Pettis, you know, a lot of people are attracted by his price. I don't see him as having a really high ceiling. You know, Pettis is a decision fighter. Um, you know, and, and again, I know I said that people don't, you know, typically get knocked out, but like he's not even really a submission fighter. I mean, he wins by decision when he wins, and you know, his win against Moreno now is looking less stellar based on how Moreno has looked subsequently. Um, so, you know, again, if Benavides is the same fighter or 75 to 80% of the same fighter he was before his injury. And again, this guy has only got four losses, two to Dominic Cruz and two to Demetrius Johnson. Okay. So the two non, non non-fighting points that I'd like to make is I have no idea how in the hell this guy ever got Megan Olivi. Um, and the (laughs) second is given his new Mm -hmm. hairstyle, I mean, I expected him to break out to a chorus of lose yourself by Eminem. Um, So I really, you know, I don't get that. But look, I think you have to like Benavidez with the cautionary tale of, you know, did he lose any of his speed? Um, You know, look, Pettis at 70.2k, just realize you're not going to get a high ceiling with him. Um, You know, he will probably make salary if he wins. But you know, again, this is the kind of fighter that Benavita should blow through. Um, I just think at 9K, he's not going to be a high, have a very high ownership, and that makes him attractive to me. Um, but I, I do see Pettis maybe coming in higher owned.
2: Yeah, it, it, you know, the, the hairstyle is really new because we saw him at the, the card in Brooklyn. He was yeah. just fine. I have a picture with him totally normal from a couple months ago, so really weird. Uh Chris, do you have Anthony Pettis' younger brother or Slim Shady? Uh,
3: well, I I actually think I agree with uh, Joe from a DraftKings perspective on how the scoring might go, but I don't really think Benavides is is gonna blow through him. Uh, one thing I noticed about the Cejudo fight is Cejudo, when Cejudo fought Benavides, is Cejudo was doing a really good job at using body kicks. Um, to control the range and back Benavides up, and I think Pettis can do a little bit of the same thing. He's got some nice hard body kicks, uh, some nice low kicks as well. He can he has a nice uh, quick hook counter, which should come into play here because well that's basically what Benavides likes to do is get dart in, quick strike, dart out, quick strike, uh, and rinse and repeat. So um, from a DraftKings perspective, I don't have too much to add. The only thing I would say is. It surprises me that um sergio pettis doesn't have finishes in the ufc because it I, it does look like he hits pretty hard when he when he lands uh he cracked brenda moreno uh more than a couple of times but you know I, I understand that you can't bank on a finish from him here so that's why i would say that yeah if he wins he'll probably make salary but that's about it but as far as as far as the fight goes yeah i'm gonna have very little of Benavides. I, I, well, number one is I, I don't think he's locked to win. And number two, even if he does, I don't expect him to score highly. So it's going to be dog or pass, and not too much dog for me on this
2: fight. Yeah, I, I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that one. And now we move to uh, the fight pass, uh, prelim headliner, which is this is a weird choice. We have Anthony Lionheart Smith, 9200, taking on Sugar Rashad Evans. At seven thousand, this is another case where I am, I'm am not really on board some of the hype train I've, I've seen, and it may come back to bite me. But I, I've partially seen a lot of people behind Anthony Smith, and this is I alluded to it in the open. I'm picking Anthony Smith to win this fight. I want to be really clear about that. I just don't think he's going to run through Rashad Evans. This is a fighter in an Anthony Smith who I, I feel the need to remind people he got blasted by Tiago Santos. Okay, fine. You, you want to say Santos is better and Rashad's way off the level? I'll give you that. He was down 0-2 in the scorecards to both Hector Lombard and Andrew Sanchez. He was getting beat up bad. Both of them gassed. He got a third-round win. Before that, he beat Elvis Mutapcic, who went to a draw with Kevin Casey. So let's just take that away. Like, I'm not that high Anti Smith. Both of these guys are going from 185 to 205. Smith is going to be longer, but we've seen him get wrestled to death before, and that's what Rashad Evans could do in this fight. I don't think it happens because I think that Smith knows that and is going to keep this on the feet, and I'll point him for three rounds. I just I don't see a finish here. Everyone's banking on one. The line in Vegas actually has this fight to end inside the distance at minus one fifteen. So they think it's going to end inside the distance, too. I just don't see Anthony Smith having that kind of power to dust Rashad Evans in the first or second round, which is what it's going to take to pay off a 9,200 salary. So that's my long rant about this fight. Uh, in that top range, Smith is probably my least favorite option. Chris, what are you thinking?
3: Well, I, I will make a bold statement and say that um, after much consideration, I am picking Rashad Evans to win this fight. I oh. think that, um, well, I, I came into this fight thinking, and I, I texted this to a buddy of mine. I without Before I did any tape study, I said, oh, man, I, I guess Rashad Evans being is getting knocked out. But when I actually watched tape, um, Anthony Smith is susceptible to the only two things that Rashad Evans does anymore, which is throw an overhand right and try to get takedowns. Um, they, that, that punch was landing all day with Hector Lombard was landing overhands. Um, he keeps his hands low. He doesn't really uh, have any regard for strike defense. And his takedown defense uh, something like you know, 46% in the UFC. And he's had quite a few fights now. So we're not really working off a small sample here. I think that anyone who's tried to take down Anthony Smith has, I think Rashad can and will. And I also think, look, going back and watching that Sam Alvey fight, he was plenty aggressive with the wrestling. The only problem is, he didn't let his hands go enough, and also one of the uh, few things Sam Alvey does well is defend takedowns. Um, so that's not going to be an issue here. I I, I fully um, understand that he could get caught, although I don't think he's chinny. I think I think his chin is is probably at least fine. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of strike it would take to get him out of there. But I think I think Rashad is going to take the path of least resistance here. I think he's going to jam him up, look for takedowns, go go for that right hand to the double leg. And I think that's going to be enough to uh, take a decision over 15 minutes.
2: Yeah. Uh, you, you had something I, I wanted to, to bring up is that Rashad Evans has only been finished once in his UFC tenure. And that was by uh, Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith is no Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira is a big boy. So let's just – he went to decision against Ryan Bader. He won a decision against Dan Henderson. I, 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 I don't see – so He
1: people was finished on Sam Alvey, though. Was he not?
2: No, he was not. That was no, 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 no.
1: That was a, oh, that was just a lopsided decision.
2: That was a decision where Alvey – I mean, where Evans still landed two takedowns in that fight. So Evans is on the decline, but saying his chin is gone, I, I have to see more evidence before I can get on that bandwagon. Uh, Joe, what's your breakdown on this fight?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, <laughs> the the one concession I will make is I would I, I would not be, I would rather pay up in cash than to use Anthony Smith in cash. However, uh, it's less a testament to how good a fighter is, and from my perspective, and more a testament to how much Rashad has declined. Um, you know, losing a stand up striking battle to to Daniel Kelly, um, you know, losing a very clear decision to. Uh, you know, to Sam Alvey, I, you know, again, I don't know that the extra 20 pounds is actually going to help him Um, in this case. uh, You want, you want a bit of a hot take. I honestly think that Arlowski has got a better shot at, at, you know, pulling it out against Tuivasa than Rashad does against Anthony Smith. And I I think Tuivasa is a much better fighter than, you know, Anthony Smith. Um, So again, I, I wouldn't use him in cash. But, you know, if you're crafting a lineup of guys who are going to potentially get early finishes, I think Anthony Smith belongs in that lineup.
2: I to, I can understand the logic of Rashad is declined, so Ed Smith is going to win. But why are you so confident in the finish? That's what I'm personally struggling with. And you're, you're not alone, so help convince me why you see a finish in the decline.
1: Look, I, I don't... <laughs> It's funny because I just said that I thought that Arlovski had a better chance to to to, to you know upset Tuivasa than Rashad does about Ant- on Anthony Smith, but I think Tuivasa also has a better chance of knocking out Arlovski than Anthony Smith does against um you know against Rashad. It just to me, again, I think Anthony Smith has got the range. Um, I I just you know it. It's, it's, it's hard to pin down because, look, I'm not in love with Anthony Smith as a fighter. I think he's had a nice little run, um, you know, and, you know, he, he, you know, tends to snag, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat in some of his fights. Um, I just, you know, I just am not confident in Rashad Evans. I just don't see it.
2: Well, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. We'll go from one Rashad to another. This is one of two fights on this card that, in my mind, both of the fights, and you probably know the other one I'm talking about, are going to be fun fights, and they ruin the DFS lineup building experience. Like, completely. Rashad Coulter, 8,700, taking on Chris De La Roca, 7,500. De La Roca in on short notice. He is not a full-time fighter anymore. Uh, getting, getting the call because Rashad Coulter needs an opponent. Both these guys are 0-2, both of, in the UFC, and both guys have been knocked out in both their fights in the UFC. Bleep is all I'm going to say. I, I, I lean towards Coulter because at least he's a full-time fighter still. I think he I like his durability, although De La Roca looked durable against Adam Milstead, but Adam Milstead's a small heavyweight too. The, the inside the distance prop in this fight is minus 450. You need one of these guys. I'll take Coulter, but whichever one fits in your tournament lineups are, are in play. Joe?
1: Look, if this was to go beyond Two rounds. This could be like a not a, a, a 5,000 against, uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, this could be that kind of fight because these guys could both just gas. You know, I I still don't understand, and no one has really come up with a viable reason. Like, how did this fight get on this card? Now you've got two guys in there. you got one guy who's 39, who's what? I, I believe a full time cop. Um, you've got another guy who. It's 36. Neither one of these guys are going to be contenders in the heavyweight division. Neither one of these guys has a, a connection to Chicago or Illinois or like wait, I'll give you the whole Midwest. Neither one of these guys have a connection to the Midwest. So, my joke is like, you know, Sean, Shel- Sean Shelby is like halfway into a bong and says, "Hmm, I need a fight for I need a fight for the UFC 225 card." Threw some darts in the wall and, and, and one, hit, one hit Coulter and one hit De La Rocha. I, I just don't know how this fight is on the card. I guess. I guess Coulter, I mean, he, he took that short notice fight against um, Chase Sherman. I mean, you know, and was competitive, although my feelings on Chase Sherman are pretty well known. Um, you know, that was like a fight of the night. Each guy got like 50K for that. Um, and, and while he had gas, he was very competitive. Um, he was hitting Chase Sherman. He was lighting him up. He's probably got better hands than De La Roche. Um, stay away from this fight in cash. Um, whatever you do. Um, but I think it could be interesting for GPPs. I mean, like like Sean, I do lean uh, uh, towards Coulter just because, again, it seems like he is more of of a full time fighter at least. Um, but you know, who the hell knows? Yeah. The
2: the problem is like. GPPs, I think you have to because of that, that, that prop I, I had mentioned. Um, I, I went to look real quick to see if I can get you an answer why this fight is on this card. And I still <laughs> can't really find one. No, there
1: is none. There is well, none. I
2: was I looked up uh, Rashad Coulter's previous opponent was, was Alan Crowder, and he fights out of North Carolina. I was hoping he was a Chicago guy, and then it would have made total sense to me. But
1: that's not it. I mean look. If you need a heavyweight fight, like what, Why not find like two local Chicago fighters and put them up against each other? If you're looking for a filler fight, that would have at least been, you know, more palatable at least to the fans. Like none of these guys, neither one of these guys have have brand name recognition. I mean, you know, so like, why is this fight on the card? Makes no sense.
2: I, I think it was. It was I think it was probably to build. I, I think they would have won <laughs> that when Alan Crowder. I guess. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Either way, we're stuck playing it. Uh, yeah. Chris Coulter or De La Roca?
3: Uh, Yeah, this fight is... Oh, by the way, did you guys watch that Adam Milstead fight against De La Roca? De La Roca looked like, uh, you know, Raging Bull with Trigger Ray Robinson hitting him at the end of it with the blood pouring down. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen until the ref stopped it. But, um, yeah, this fight is... I guess I'm leaning Coulter with the caveat that if... if um, De La Roca has done one ounce of tape study and knows to kick his legs that De La Roca might win. But otherwise, um, yeah, De-, uh, De La Roca just gets gets hit like crazy. And for um, for all the, the talk of uh, Coulter being a bad heavyweight, which he is, he actually slips punches decently. He has a decent idea of keeping himself safe from head strikes. Um, but those leg kicks are just a problem. Uh, of course, Chase Sherman ate him up. Tuovasa landed one big one, which basically took him out of the fight, landed the the big jumping knee after that. Um, Roca is a wrestler, but not a very good one. Uh, He couldn't take down Adam Milstead in their fight, and we saw Curtis Blades do that like 20 times. So I'm not really worried about that, I guess. Um, If I have to make a pick, I guess it's Coulter. I I saw De La Roca throw some leg kicks. He looked like he was kind of off balance throwing them. So I don't even know if I trust him to do that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's it's Coulter here. If you want to go for a, for a contrarian play, take Delaroca and and watch uh, watch uh, Coulter's leg blow up like a Ford Pinto when he kicks it. So it's it's eight point seven again versus seven point five, right? That's yes. That's it. Yes.
2: Moving on to you know one spot higher up, the same range, somebody who I think could have equally good upside, and it's a fight that I have gotten, my opinion, swayed on pretty heavily as the week has gone on. It is Mirsad Bektik at 8,800, taking on Ricardo Lamas at 7,400. When the week first started, I was thinking Lamas was a live dog, and the more I dig into it, the more I like Bektik. I like, I like the grappling. I, I like the way he came back again uh, from that Darren Elkins fight. I like his mindset, I like his style it was built built for DraftKings. He goes out and he scores a ton scores a ton of points. I think he can eventually find top position on Ricardo Lamas, uh, which is my initial thought was that Lamas would be able to stop the takedowns. I, I'm not so sure anymore in this fight. Give me Mirsad Bektik. Um, I don't have a bet on it, but I, I'm going to have a healthy amount of Mirsad Bektik uh, tomorrow night. Chris?
3: Yeah, this is one of the tougher fights on the card to call for me. Um, the, th- the thing about it is um, I-, I considered the grappling of Beckditch, but we also know um, that uh, Lamas likes to hunt submissions on the ground. We know he's got a great guillotine. He actually subbed Charles Oliveira with that guillotine. So um, not inconceivable that uh, Beckditch yeah. would know
2: Anthony Pettis also subbed Charles Oliveira. So let's just... We can
3: skate by. Yeah, those are but those are two good guard grapplers. You know, I'm not you yeah. know I'm not I'm not hating on that. I'm not hating on that. But um, I think um, we know that um, Bektish can, can get sloppy um, forcing his takedown game. We saw that in the Elkins fight. Um, I think that you know this this again is going to come down to who wins the pressure game on the feet because both of these guys like the pressure. Um, Lamis has good kicks. He's got a good inside low inside low kick that he likes to use to disrupt the timing. Uh, He throws good, he throws in good combinations. Um, But as we saw in um, the, what's, what's the last fight where he got knocked out? Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett. As we saw in the Josh Emmett fight, um, he doesn't always keep himself completely safe uh, in these pocket exchanges. That could definitely hurt him against the guy whose hands are as fast as, as uh, Mirshad Bektich are. Um, I think the grappling is going to be a, a little closer than people think. I think Lamas is a capable wrestler in his own right and a capable position grappler in his own right. If I have a lean here, I'm going to say that I think Lamas might hit a little bit harder and that might pay some dividends. So I'll give a slight lean to Ricardo Lamas, but I, I, I really think this is a, a close fight.
2: Joe, help talk some sense into him because right now I my lineups are built and I have a lot, tons of Mearside Bectic.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, I may have told our, our viewing audience um, what my process is relative to DraftKings, and what I do is, as soon as salaries drop, I, I throw in. You know, with just what I know about the fighters, I at that point in time, I have not done a whole lot of studying or research. And the initial lineup build that I made when salaries dropped had Llamas in it. <laughs> um, I was thinking he's, you know, this is a solid dog for 7.4. I mean, maybe there's some uh, recency bias against him because of his getting pasted by Josh Emmett. Um, you know, Josh Emmett who didn't make weight. Um, you know, so, you know, again, and then I start, you know, looking at, at and. Obviously, Llamas has got the competition advantage. I mean, you know, Llamas has fought the who's who in in you know in the weight class. You know, Bectic is so, sort of the up-and-comer, the, the rising prospect. Um, we saw what happened with, with Elkins, but, you know, Elkins has gone on to win other fights. And we all know Elkins' game is he will outlast you, and you can't hit him hard enough, you know, to cause brain damage. Um, although... If you looked at that tattoo, you might second-guess that question. Um, <laughs> so, again, I guess, you know, I've got Bectic. I mean, my big question is, is Bectic cash viable? And maybe one of you guys can answer that because I don't know.
2: I, I can because I think I, I think my my cash lineup – I, I have two right now that, that I'm, I'm between. One of them I think is the chalk. And just because of how he falls – you're left deciding between Mirsad Bektik, and you've used all your salary, and then below that, there really isn't anybody Jackson. in cash you want to play. <laughs> like
1: Jackson,
2: like I'm not playing Culture in cash. I'm not playing Jackson in cash. Jackson. Yeah. I'm not playing Dubronx in cash. I, I'd rather shoot myself to play Holly Holm, even if you had an extra hundred. Like I think the way he falls, I, I think I'm going to end up playing him in cash games just because that range, it's really a GPP range.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. Moving on
2: from the, one of the closest fights in the card to my opinion, the and the Lions' opinion, the biggest mismatch in the card, Claudia Gadelia 9,400, taking on Carla Esparza at 6,800. I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. The only way Claudia Gadelia loses this fight is if she's done being a fighter and she wants to focus on a career as an Instagram model which she probably will be very, very successful with. But Esparza can neutralize the one – or Gedalia can neutralize the one thing Esparza does well, can beat her up on the feet, can beat her up on the ground. For me, Claudia Gedalia is a cash game lock this week.
1: Uh, Joe? Yeah, I mean, luck. I mean, Gedalia's got a height advantage. She's got a strength advantage. She's pretty much better everywhere. I mean, she was competitive against – you know, on Drage before she she gassed. Um, I just, you know, the thing with Claudia Gadalia is, and, and people always question her gas tank, you know, in five round fights, you know, where where she's being pressured, yes. In a three round fight against Carla Sparza, I don't see her gassing. I agree with you in cash. I even think she could make a sneaky GPP play because she can get the finish against our Sparza. And if she does, and there's enough. Um, points scored via you know advances and 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 takedowns, um, you know, combined with the finish, um, you know, maybe she will, you know, get you that that twelve x that you're looking for. I know it's a long shot. I definitely like her more in cash, but I don't know that a lot of people are going to look to be playing her in GPPs. People are going to probably gravitate towards you know guys that are have more defined chances at finishing, like uh, Tuivasa. Or Smith, Um, you know, I think, you know, people will look at her the same way. Maybe they'll look at a Joe B. Um, But I honestly think that Claudia's got a better chance at a finish than Joe B does. So I I, I like Claudia a lot.
2: I think there's a little bit of of bias out there. I I know this is a DraftKings podcast, but I bet this fight uh, ends inside the distance at plus 175 because that just seemed wrong to me because people think strawweight fight. They think decision. This should be lopsided. It's MMA. Anything could happen. Maybe the Andrade lost the end of the road for Gedalia. I don't think so. Uh, I think this is a mismatch. No,
1: she's a Jackson Wink, right? So she's a Jackson Wink now training, right?
2: Uh, she moved to New
1: Mexico, I believe, and she's a Jackson Wink.
2: I believe so. Yeah. Well, Chris, what do you
3: have here? Well, I know we like to disagree on this podcast. So I'm going to disagree and say – I like Claudia Gedalia more than all both of you. I like her the most out of no. everyone. Wow. Just, uh, just
2: so people are, you know, like we are agreeing a lot. Don't worry. We're going to get into this main card. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, getting to and it. And me and Chris legitimately, just as a teaser, disagree on every
3: single fight. Stay so tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Uh, so, Claudia Gedalia. Um, yeah, I, I think you guys said it all. She, she's better absolutely everywhere. Um She's the better grappler. She's stronger. She, I mean, um, uh, Carla Sparza likes to, likes to wade in with these wide punches, and Claudia Gaudet is a pretty accomplished counterpuncher. We saw that in the Andrade fight. Um, uh, she, uh, Esparza is not going to be able to pressure her and break her the way that Andrade was. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's that much more to say, except I will echo Joe's sentiment that I like her as a, as a sneaky GPP, too, for people who might not want to pay the money because I see this being a total domination and probably a finish.
2: Next up, we get Curtis Blades at 8,500, taking on Alistair The Ream over Ream at 7,700. Curtis Blades is one of the best wrestlers at heavyweight, something you don't see a lot. I love Curtis Blades here, uh, especially with his style at heavyweight. His chin is fine. He took pun- He took punches from Mark Hunt. Took him from from Francis Ganu just fine. Everyone says Alistair Overing takedown defense is really good. It's fine. The problem is you don't really see takedown artists, wrestlers, like Curtis Blades at heavyweight. So it's really going to get tested, in my opinion, for the first time legitimately in this fight. I like Curtis Blades pretty much in all formats. Give me the wrestler here. Chris?
3: Well, it's going to be a test for sure, but um... – yes. I'm I'm betting on Overeem to pass it. And the reason I say that is because um I just I just go back to that the Mark Hunt fight and um I think I think it's safe to say that Blades is a developing striker. I think he's getting better, but he had some real trouble finding his range uh, against Mark Hunt on the feet in that fight. He was missing quite a bit. Um
2: this Overeem, fight be
3: on the feet long. Sorry, go ahead. I don't think this fight will be on the feet that long. It might well as for as long as it's on the feed, um, I think that's going to be an issue. I think we um, we 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 saw that we know that Overeem, um, at least um, in the past, uh, he's said to have a, a a brilliant guillotine choke. So um, that could come into play if um, Blades gets a little sloppy with his takedowns. You know what I want to see? I want to see Alistair Overeem fight this fight the way he fought. Um, Fabrizio overdue You can keep your hands a little lower because uh, Blades is gonna have trouble finding his range. So keep that, that those hands low to guard against the takedown. Stay on the outside and use your your quickness and your movement and your and your body kicks to just sort of work around him and piece him up. And I think if he fights a smart fight, I think I think he can maybe hit him hard and change the complexion or maybe do it for 15 minutes. Now there's always there's always a um, there's always a chance that he gets hit because he's Alistair Overeem. I don't, I don't really put a lot into glass chins except for maybe him and two other guys because I do think he has one. So that's always a concern, and the wrestling is of course a concern. But um, I'm gonna bet that o- Overeem can keep his distance and uh, maybe eke out a decision, or or maybe even you know, like I said, crack him with something hard and change the complexion of the fight that way.
2: If, in my opinion, if he keeps his hands down low like that, Blades, you've seen him do it before, is going to fake a takedown, change levels, and pop him with a right hand. And Overeem can't take a right hand. But Overeem does have that veteran's experience and is live. I just, stylistically, I think it's a bad matchup. Joe?
1: Okay, so there's a there's a few narratives for that fight. And, you know, I like narratives. I mean, sometimes it pushes me over the edge. So you guys did a pretty good job of... of you know, the technical aspects of this fight. Yes, Overeem's got good takedown defense against wrestlers and jujitsu jitsu practitioners. Let's hope that this fight is not a copy of the Verdum-Overeem fight because that was one of the most boring fights I think I've watched. It brought, I, ha- I was having Sarah McMahon flashbacks when I saw that fight. It was horrible. Um, you know, there's the narratives. Okay, Blades is local. He's Chicago, right? What narrative one? Overream gets $800,000 win, loser draw. He's, he's got no win bonus, right? He's not going to take chances. He's got, no, he's got no, you know, other than, you know, professional pride. The last I saw, Blades was on a 19 and 19. <laughs> so that is horrible. Now, I don't know if he got a better deal. That's the last money I saw when they reported earnings. He's going to want this 50K, right? He's going to go after Reem. Um, you know, he will take him down again. He's a wrestler. Reem has not really fought great wrestlers at heavyweight. Um, you know, could he run and hide from him? Maybe. I still see, uh, Blades being able to get the takedown. He's taken shots from Ngannou. He's taken shots from Hunt. Yes, Reem could catch him, could hit him, catch him with an elbow. That's the most likely, you know, in the clinch. Um, I still think that, you know, Blades is going to feel the power here. I like him in cash. I like him in GPPs. I love his price at 8.5K. I'm pretty much all in on Blades. I will have a bad night if Blades uh, doesn't get it here.
2: Moving on, we are up to the pay-per-view. And that second fight that I can't believe we have to break down for DraftKings. But as a fan, it's going to be fun because amateur MMA is fun, guys. go to your local amateur shows. Mike Jackson, 8600, the TV reporter, taking on Phil C.M. Punk. Brooks at 7600 guys. It's two amateur fighters. I'll take the dog. I'll take CM Punk because, yeah, Mike Jackson has has competed in boxing. Go watch the fights. He's not a good boxer.
1: Like, uh, Muay, thai, Muay Thai. Muay
2: Thai. Okay, I've seen. I thought I saw in a boxing
1: match. Maybe it's okay. both. It's both. He, he actually just it. he actually just lost a decision, a three round decision in Muay Thai.
2: God, I watched one of his boxing fights. It is—they're not—he's not good. He gets in there, power two and probably kick my ass. But guys, two O 201 one fighters, who the hell knows? But you have to have it for at least some of it for GPPs. It's minus two fifteen to end inside the distance. I'll take CM Punk because the fight—I know some people hate to hear it—it it very well could be fixed. Mike Jackson could take a dive. It works better for the UFC that way. And even if he doesn't. If CM Punk has been trained for two years just in grappling, Mike Jackson looked lost on the ground. At least CM Punk defended a rear naked choke for twenty seconds. More than I can say for Mike Jackson. So I'll take CM Punk. There's no conviction behind it at all, but that's the pick here. Joe.
1: Jesus. Um thirty nine years old, Phil Brooks. He's worth eight point five million dollars, has a hot wife. Um, is Chicago-based, uh, is only on the pay-per-view. I'd look, from a business perspective, I love what the UFC is doing here because he will probably help sell a few pay-per-views. As an MMA fan, I hate these novelty fights. I absolutely. The worst mistake the UFC ever made was, was endorsing and co-promoting Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. Because what they did is they took their most bankable star in MMA and allowed him to get paid so much money that he never has to fight again in MMA. So that, that's silly. Now, that's not this. I went off on a brief tangent. But, you know, you got a guy that's going to make a half a million for this fight, right? Which is an insult to all the other hardworking, um, you know, MMA fighters. I, I get the business aspect of it. He will sell some pay-per-views. So in that respect, he's worth it. UFC is probably not going to lose money paying him a half a million dollars. I don't know what to do here. I mean, I got to go with the guy that trains a little bit. <laughs> I mean, like in MMA and has had some Muay Thai fights. I think if it stays standing, which I don't necessarily think it will. You got to like Mike Jackson here because I don't think Brooks has anything standing. Um, <clears throat> if it goes to the ground, who knows. I mean, you know, we've we've seen his guard. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that's it. I mean, I don't know. Does he can he do anything? I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have a very, very tentative lean towards Jackson. This is purely a GPP fight. Like, do not get near either one of these guys in cash. Um, Jackson, GPPs.
2: That's pretty much it. If anyone is is tries to convince you they know for sure what's going to happen in this fight, they are lying to your face. And, and with that, I'll, I'll go to you, Chris.
3: Yeah, well... I appreciate the segue. I think it was perfect. Um, I have to correct. I have to correct uh, the first thing you said. When it said it was two amateur fighters fighting each other, um, that's incorrect. It's one amateur fighter fighting a dude in MMA fantasy camp. Now, um, what? Same here,
2: difference. Uh,
3: the, no, well, it's it's a guy who has combat. Here, look. Here's here's my the main crux of this for me. Okay, how can you trust CM Punk to do? anything like let's say cm punk even gets the opportunity to take mike jackson's back is he gonna know how to do that in a competitive setting is he gonna know how to i mean at least i've seen mike jack because i watched that last muay thai fight at least i've seen mike jackson throw a strike with the intention of landing on his opponent's chin like i've literally never seen cm punk do that i've seen i've seen mike jackson land strikes in combat sports fights I've seen him use his footwork and head movement to dodge strikes. That is miles ahead of anything I've ever seen CM Punk do. I mean you know, I, like I see everybody framing this fight as well, who knows it's one guy and I mean it's one guy who's, not, who's had a fight and never landed a strike in the UFC, Had it had a fight that lasted about four minutes and didn't land a strike. And, and, and I'll you say
2: have throw, you have to throw that fight away. You have to. It's why? Because it's Mickey Gall. That's a legit UFC fighter. It is now, it, but before. No, it well, was then too. It was the, the the Phil Brooks fight didn't magically make Mickey Gall better. That, like, no, I understand. But well, no, no, way. no.
3: What I'm trying to say is. But you guys forget, before that fight, th- there was a lot of this same talk. Well, who's Mickey Gall? He's only had a couple of amateur fights. Everybody said the same thing. Now, I grant you, because of his BJJ pedigree, he was always better than Mike Jackson's going to be. I, fu- I fully grant that. But, I mean, it just, needs to, it just needs to be said that, like, Mike Jackson is still going to have um, more fluid movement and, and, and CM Punk is still going to be thinking about what to do every step of the way in there. He's going to be galloping across the ring like he did in, this, in the Mickey Gall fight. I mean, he, that overhand right that he threw, I mean, I, I think I could have gotten out of the way as telegraphed as it was. I, I just, I just, look, I understand that they're both bad and neither one of them deserves to be here. And I agree. And I wish it wasn't here. And I echo everything Joe said. But Now that it's here, we have to take it on the merits. And the merits say that one guy has actually done things in combat sports. It's an issue of core competency. Mike Jackson has the core competency to at least be an amateur MMA fighter. CM Punk has not shown any of that. He hasn't even shown anything close. And look, if he comes out and shocks me, first of all, I'd love that because it would make the pay-per-view interesting. But second of all, look, I'm not saying it can't happen. It can happen. I can't really envision it right now, but there's a lot of things that I can't envision in combat sports, and they happen too. So, look, if he wins, I think it'll be it'll be fun for me because I'll be absolutely shocked. And look, I'm pick, I'm all in on Mike Jackson here, and if he loses, you guys can tell me about it at Real Chris Olsen. I'll take all the hate. I'll deserve it because I, I'm being very, uh, you know, uh, headstrong with my pick, and I get it. But until then, I'm going to be chirping and chirping loud that CM Punk is going to get knocked out of here by Mike Jack.
2: And he very well could, but I don't think that you could even beat your chest after that. And anyone who could tell you, I don't think anybody could tell you the other way, I knew CM Punk was going to win. Like, you're giving way too much credit to Mike Jackson. This,
3: this, but, 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 is, but it, but is, is my argument game. resonating a little bit? Is it at it,
2: least it makes sense, but you're over evaluating Mike Jackson. All
3: right, that's all that's, I want. That's
2: all I want. Over evaluating. We're basically going, we're going to the carnival. We're going to put a dollar down. We're going to get 20 of those rings and throw them with the fucking bottles. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's moving on to a legit UFC fight tied to Ivasa 9,300. Andre Arlovski might have an issue with me calling it a legit UFC fight because the interview I heard Mm -hmm. with him uh, and uh, Ariel Helani, he doesn't think very highly of Mr. Tuivasa. Arlovsky Mm -hmm. goes going for 6,900. Listen, Tuivasa is going to come forward, throw explosive uh, strikes, be somewhat powerful. Can Arlovsky make this a technical fight? My quick breakdown on this is we're going to know quickly who's going to win this fight because it's going to be whoever is able to get to fight at their pace. Are we fighting at, at Tuivasa's frenetic pace or is Orlovsky making this a, a technical battle? I don't think that uh, Arlovsky is going to be able to withstand the pressure of Tuivasa and Tuivasa's attitude. I don't think he gives a fly and you know what, who Orlovsky is. I'll take Tuivasa by knockout, GPP only for me. Uh, Chris, back to you for this one.
3: Well, um, as you know, Sean, on our Rotowire staff picks, I proudly picked Mr. Orlovsky for the second fight in a row. and. Um, I just this is, this is the second time I'll, I'm going to say this on uh, this main card coming up, but this is a fight that um, Tuyo T- could win, but he needs to show me he can win it before I can pick him. I, th- I just think that, um, you know, I know what he likes to do. He likes to blitz forward with strikes and put on a lot of pressure. He, he has good elbows. He even throws some nice counter elbows. He, he had a beautiful stepping elbow in that uh, Cyril Lasker fight. I, I get that. I don't think he's all hype. I think he's a fine prospect. And I think he's one a person to watch in the heavyweight division. But I just think that um, especially especially the, the version of uh, Andrei Arlovski we saw last time, which was body lock strip takedown wrestler Andrei Arlovsky. I think if he does that and he can tire two of us out, because two of us has shown he could get uh, controlled in the clinch. We've seen that from him in a couple of amateur fights. We saw that a little bit even in the Rashad Coulter fight. Um, so I really think that if, like you said, it's gonna it's gonna come down to pace. Who can dictate the pace? But we also we also saw in that Albini fight. Granted, I don't think their pressure is the same. But some of those blitzes from Al, from Albini, we saw even um, Arlovski was able to circle out a little bit and get back to the center. So you know, if he can keep his distance and he can. Um, you know, I think maybe two of us has got maybe four minutes in him. I, I I need to see him go longer than that. So if he can't, if he gets past the four-minute mark, I expect – and look, I, I wanted to take one quick second, even though uh, you didn't mention it, but I know people do all over the place, to dispel the myth of Andrei Orlovsky's horrible chin. Um, he's been knocked out three times since 2013, and those three guys are Steve Otrich, uh, uh Alistair Overeem, and uh, Francis Ngannou. So I don't think um, anybody would scoff at those guys getting knocked at. I'm not here to tell you he's got the best chin in the world, but I don't think he's just going to explode upon the impact of a jab. So I'm not too worried about that. And I just think, look, could Tuivasa win this fight? Absolutely. But he's got to show me first. And so I'm going to take the uh, the dog prize.
2: Just to your one point about cardio, Tuivasa is – this is shocking to say. He's a little leaner than he used to be. He was he was a good 20, 30 pounds bigger. So the gas tank may have improved some, but they are heavyweights. They could run out quick. Uh, Joe, are you, uh, are you siding with, with me or Chris? And it's going to be that question the rest of
1: the episode.
3: That's right. now,
1: damn. I mean, w- one, props to Chris for stealing my thunder on Tui Vasa being a four-minute fighter. I do think that if this goes beyond – four minutes and, God forbid, into a second round, I I could definitely see a momentum shift because, you know, we don't really see Tuivasa go that deep. Um, Look, this is a GPP fight. I mean, I would not fault anyone for taking a few shares of Andre um, in case it does go beyond four minutes. Um, I also don't think that Tuivasa is a fanboy. He's not going to ask for Olasky's autograph like some of his other fights. Some of the other fights like Junior Albini. And I, look, that was an impressive display of wrestling against Stefan Struve. But Stefan Struve actually has a body type, which is more prone towards takedowns. It's I mean, true. you know, b- being that tall, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that Andre Arlowski could actually get his arms around to Ivasa. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm very curious to see how this fight goes. I think you got to play to Ivasa in GPPs. Um, you know, the question you have to ask yourself is, do you like him more <coughs> for an early finish versus Anthony Smith? Or is, would you rather pay up for the safety of Claudia Gadalia? So I think those are all very viable questions. Um, I certainly would not play him in cash. <coughs> and I would not fault anyone for taking a few shares of Arlowski. But my pick is Tui Vasquez
2: moving right along here, Holly Holm, eighty nine hundred, taking on Megan Anderson, seventy three hundred. Our first non-title women's featherweight fight. Okay, I'm going to take Megan Anderson. If, if she's the better DraftKings play, bar none, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let this linger because Chris is going second on this one. Chris, you can pick Holly Holm, and I totally get it. Most people are. I'll give my re- my reason in a second. But if you say Holly Holm is viable on DraftKings, I might end this freaking call because there's no way you should be paying 8900 for Holly Holm. That being said, Megan Anderson stylistically, I get she's, she is what you could look for for Holly Holm. She's going to be aggressive. Holly Holm is, is a counter-striker. I think Megan Anderson can out-volume her early while Holm gets her timing. Holm is just a point fighter. Anderson's going to be in this fight for three rounds. She, she's not going to get head kicked, knocked out, which is how Holm finishes fights. The only one who's any grappling at all in this fight would be Megan Anderson. I get Anderson has beat up Cans. I like her body type for the division. She's going to be bigger. I just think she's live here. And overall, I'm just I'm not impressed with the the, the evolution of Holly Holm. And you're talking to someone who said Holly Holm was very live against Chris Cyborg. I just don't think that this matches up well. I think if Anderson is any kind of legit featherweight, uses any type of wrestling— Or even just can out-volume Holly Holm while she's throwing it air. She's very alive in this fight. So something just tells me that that Megan Anderson has this one. This is one, again, I don't have a ton of conviction in. But what I do have conviction in is that she's the better DraftKings play.
1: Uh, Joe? Look, I'm a fan of Megan Anderson. I I watch Invicta over Bellator. I've seen every single one of Megan Anderson's fights. Um, I like her incarnate violence. However, this is the worst stylistic matchup for a fighter like Megan Anderson. Let's talk narratives. Um, Off, right, for for over a year. Now, quote unquote personal issues, rumor has it it was visa issues, right? Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's, you know, it's not, was it an injury? It was visa issues is what I heard. I don't know how true that is. It's just rumors that I heard. She's been off. This is her first fight in the UFC, so there's going to be some ring rust. Um, Megan cuts. Megan qu- cuts quite a bit of weight to actually get down to 145. I heard she walks around at about 170. Um, Holly Holm is 36 years old, and she will be the youngest fighter that Megan Anderson has fought in the last three years. Um, you know, she has been can crushing an Invicta. Um, the line movement. Let's talk the line movement. I can only attribute the line movement to the guys on the vivisection. They did actually a Friday show as, as opposed to a Thursday show, giving a lot of love to Megan Anderson. Now, Zane, Phil, love you. Zane, Bubby, I don't know that you've watched any of Megan Anderson's fights. If you say that Megan Anderson is better at range than Holly Holm, I'm not sure you watched any of her fights. Megan is going to come forward, is going to give a backup counterpuncher the type of fight that she wants. I think... <laughs> Because she is going to be so incredibly low owned that um, Holly could potentially get a finish, Megan could gas, and because of that reason, I will have a few shares of Holly Home in GPPs. Oh, end the call. End it. End the call. In the, no, no, no. In the ten. In the ten dollar.
2: Oh, are you going to have more Megan Anderson than Holly Home? No. You are out of uh, your freaking mind. You're out of Rex. your mind. No. I am on the full Holly Home fade. No way! You know, if we were on the um,
1: oh, that's Sean. again, again, Sean, I don't love the fight, but if you're asking me, am I going to have more shares of Holly than Megan? The answer is
0: yes.
2: God, are you picking Dos Anjos too, nerd? Yes. <laughs>
0: All
2: right, Chris, go ahead and sign with and and sign with Joe here. I, I
3: just
2: can you at least give me that Holly Holm is a poor DraftKings play, please?
3: Well, I. I, I'm a little upset now because I was gonna have all that scarcity at home by myself, but now that Joe has convinced everybody too, I don't know how much scarcity I'm gonna have. <laughs> but uh, but look, um, I agree with Joe 100. percent This is a terrible style matchup for Megan Anderson. Um, she, I mean, Megan Anderson was cr- crushing cans, crushing cans, crushing cans, and then, and I'm glad Joe didn't um, say dead this. walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I wasn't going to bring that up, but what I would bring up is um, she ran into Charmaine Tweet, who she beat, but Charmaine Tweet cracked her more than once with a counter shot. And that is going to happen here. Um, Not only that, but we need to see, you know, those stupid blitzes that Holly does when she comes forward that don't work against anybody? Well, we need to see how Megan Anderson's going to react to them because they might work on her. We've never even seen her have to back up. It's never happened. So this is, this is the ultimate I-need-to-see-it-from-you fight because Holly is going to present a lot of things. Everybody who fights Holly home, there's a reason why all those fights are boring. It's because the, those fighters have to be careful so they don't get knocked out. It's the same reason Sam Alvey fights are boring because every fighter who fights them knows that they need to be really careful. Um, does Megan Anderson know that? And if she does know that, can she even fight like that if she wants to? These are questions that we need answered. And um, Holly is just going to be way too technical, I think. Megan keeps her hands low. She doesn't retract um, very quickly all the time. She can. She might get hit so hard here. I. I. I just. I just. I can see a finish so clearly in my mind, and I just. Like Holly's so tough, she t- she ate all those shots from Cyborg. She didn't go down. Um, she's gonna be, I think, she, talking about the wrestling, I mean, she might not know how to wrestle, but she's gonna be stronger in the clinch. I think that's for sure. Oh, no. sure. like she's gonna look stronger than Cyborg in the
1: clinch. She, man. She's, gonna, she's gonna weigh 160, Megan, Megan, when she enters the ring. I
2: guarantee you, you're underestimating the strength of Megan Anderson. And that uh, one.
3: So you think? So you wait. So do you think Megan Anderson stronger than Cyborg? Then?
1: No, no. All no. Right, well,
3: well, Holly held Cyborg in the clinch the whole fight.
1: Yeah. She
2: held her there. It didn't mean she was stronger than her.
3: Well, it if she was, was, well, working. wouldn't Cyborg want to move out of that position if that were the case?
2: Yeah. That great grappling doesn't exactly work like that. Yeah,
3: I, I
1: think Sean, the only worst possible matchup for Megan Anderson would be a power wrestler. <laughs> I mean, you know, what Megan Anderson needs is someone who's going to come at her as aggressive as she is going to come. And that's not Holly Holm.
2: I'm, I'm looking – so, so Chris, you think Holm is going to win inside the distance. I'm looking up the – I I think, I, know, it's distinct, I,
1: know where, I think it's worth a stab.
3: I think it's a distinct possibility, yes. But, I mean, but I'll, I'll tell you what. This is
1: probably a better – this is a better fight to bet than it is for DraftKings. Yeah. I think I, if you could get, get minus 150 on Holly Holm – you should take that all day, every day, if you could get minus 150 on her. Chris,
2: a- Chris, you need to put your money where your mouth is because home had the distance is plus 620. You need to go oh, like, like, like
1: that. me so, a book. Find me a book. Set what, it up. What's the current line? What's the current betting line, Sean? Holly Holm minus 150.
2: Megan Anderson oh, plus my, 140. Oh,
1: my God. Everybody should be running to the bank. But, Joe, it's 7. your
2: favorite 8. thing. There's tons of line value here. There's tons of line value in oh, Megan no,
1: there's, Anderson. There's lots of line value in Megan Anderson. I get it, and I think she's going to be very popular. But I plead I caution. Uh, you know, I don't know that she's got a great floor <laughs> at 7.5K. I don't think she's got a great floor. Oh, I'm 7. sorry. 7.3. 7. 3. That's right. I don't know that she's got a great floor here because she's not going to get any takedowns. It's going to be purely stand-up. So she's going to have to throw a shitload of significant strikes. So I, I just don't like her. I don't like her floor. All
2: right. We still have two fights to talk about, but yeah. you guys can can find us on Twitter for that one. It's a good chance to go at the DFS Sniper 1S, at Real Chris Olsen, at Sun Tzu. I have a feeling this is going to continue on Twitter. Moving into our co-main event, or as I'm going to refer to it, Nerd Bash 2018 is oh, going to geez. crown a champion. Colby Covington at 8,000, taking on... The, the Brazilian, you know, I'm not going to sling Brazilian insults just to be funny because that's, that's Covington's game. Josanius is 8,200. Listen, I think clearly RDA is going to have a striking advantage. RDA is at three fights at Walter welterweight, none of which am I terribly impressed with. Terry Safadine, Neil Magny, and Robbie Lawler. And I'm the one who says Neil Magny is very under, underrated, but the way that fight played out, it was, they were quickly on the ground, and he found a quick, a quick submission. When it comes to Colby Covington, Covington, people are on him for the Amaya fight. He didn't want to take down Damian Maya, and end up in the guard. It, it was a striking battle. He's going to try and take down Dos Anjos. I think Rafael Dos Anjos is going to need a submission to win this fight. I don't think he can stop the takedowns enough. I think he'll stop some. I think Covington is able to wrestle him for three of the five rounds. And move on. D1 Wrestling Cardio should hold up. I'm taking Colby Covington here. Either way, this fight is DraftKings gold. This fight, I'd be near all in on on your GPP lineups. Play it in cash. The winner is going to end up in the optimal lineup. I'm leaning Covington. um, And he's my preferred play as well. I love the wrestlers. I think we're going to start with uh, uh, Joe for this one.
1: Okay, so... When I for again with my initial created lineup, I had Covington in it, and then I watched film and I switched, and now I'm now my lean is on RDA. I actually switched my my RotoWire staff selections. I had initially submitted Covington, and then I actually had to email uh, Jake and say uh, I want to switch my pick from Covington to RDA. You know, here's here's why. Um, I think it's unfair to compare RDA's RDA Khabib versus RDA. Covington, you know, Khabib, what Khabib can do that Covington can't do is hold a guy down. I mean, look, Covington could get takedowns. I, I, you know, look, he took Brian Barbarina down 12 times. What does that mean? Barbarina got up 12 times. Now, the issue is Barbarina did not have the physical capacity to do damage to Covington striking each time he got up. Um, every time RDA gets up, I see Covington as being in danger until he gets that takedown again. Now, now, combine that with, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu credentials, you know, and the ability to put up a sub. And maybe you're not, you weren't thrilled with, you know, the opponents that RDA has fought at welterweight. But, you know, the wins were pretty solid. I mean, you know, he threw a ton of significant strikes against Lawler. Um, he submitted Neil Magney. I mean, look, it, and Saffordine was his first fight at, at welterweight. So... I just think the striking advantage is so extreme that, um, and we've never seen Covington go five rounds. The striking advantage is so extreme that um, Covington, you know, will get takedowns. He won't be able to hold RDA down and he will be in distress or at least have the potential to be in distress every time RDA gets up. Again, if RDA doesn't pace him, you know, before getting takedowns. uh, I do agree that you need to have exposure to this fight. I do agree that you should have exposure both ways there is line value right now in covington i believe it's minus 130 um which provides line value based on the draft king salaries um i do expect uh covington will be highly owned um i would not be surprised if he won but my pick is rda
2: we're up to minus
3: 135 uh chris where are you going on the co i was so scared before i watched tape that i would have to pick colby covington because I hate him so much, but I'm so relieved that I don't – I do know.
2: think – sorry to interrupt you. I do think that, though, is blinding some people. Not it, only, might be, plenty, it might there's be. There's plenty of sharp people picking RDA, but that blinds a lot of people. Like, if Colby wins, social media is going to be – it's going to be the best place to be for a little while. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean – and, and he- he's really going hard into the trolling now. He's going to present the, the title to Donald Trump when he wins it and all that stuff. So he's, he's pushing on the button. He knows what he's doing, obviously, but, and look, as it gets more and more absurd, I'm even starting to like it a little bit. Like before I was like, yeah, but now that he's actively trying to just, I, I kind of, but even so, I mean, I, I don't want him to, I still don't want to see him win. So I'm glad that I don't think I'll have to see him win because look, I echo, echo what Joe said. Um, he's not real good at control on the ground now is he gonna be able to mat return for five rounds i mean we've heard guys like eddie alvarez say it's impossible to wrestle for 15 minutes straight let alone 25. he's gonna have to spend some time on the feet and every second he's on the feet he's gonna be in danger rda is just it's not just a striking advantage it's one of the biggest striking advantages on the card um RDA throws in combination. He's good at keeping distance. Even when, even when, like let's say they get backed up against the fence, RDA is really good, and we've seen this a lot in his past couple of fights, of grabbing that tie clinch, throwing knees to the body, elbows to the head. He just he's very clever about getting himself out of bad spots when he gets in there. Uh, the only time we've seen him really on the ground in his time at it was against Safadine. He was urgent to get back to his feet using subs to try to sweep and get back to his feet. So I I would actually like to see how that looks. And um, I think the distance he keeps and the movement he keeps can sort of um, mitigate the takedowns in the first place. I think they can do a decent job at that. But even if Colby succeeds once or twice, I mean, he has a good poker face. I'll give him that. And he fights through it. But he huffs and puffs on that stool sometimes. I mean, we saw in the Damian Maya fight. Uh, that Kobe Covington gets tired. Don't let it fool you. And if he has to wrestle over five rounds, I just don't I just don't know if he's gonna hold up. So I'm gonna take RDA here for a late stoppage and then I'm gonna celebrate and maybe do a little dance.
2: All right, moving on to our main event, which there was all kinds of controversy today. It is Robert Whitaker who weighed in at the at the middleweight limit 185, taking on UL Romero, who did not. 185.2 we were talking before uh this episode just the three of us we were trying to, to figure out if we had official word if it was a three or five round fight guys before we went on i was gonna say let's approach it like it's a five round fight i don't have official news but i'm on the ufc pick page it's listed as
1: three that's so, what i heard that's what i heard i heard it was reduced to three rounds so let's, I, I let's couldn't get anyone to confirm that
2: Let's assume it's a three-rounder and give any caveats you will for five rounds. I'm going to go – because that means they would have to go on and, and physically change this on the yes. UFC side. Yeah. So I'm going to assume it's three rounds. If we hear otherwise, throw anything in you want. for me, I don't think enough credence is being given to Whitaker being out for a year and was hospitalized with a mishandled staff infection.
1: And, and, the knee, really- and the knee injury. The knee injury.
2: And the knee injury. There's enough there. I'm worried about how he's going to come back. I was more confident in Yoel Romero pulling an upset before all this debacle today. I'm going to stick to my guns, but now it's much closer for me. I think Yoel Romero gets a third-round knockout because one does not mess around with third-round Yoel. And I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, and the thing I say all the time on another podcast I do, rematches very rarely go the same way as the first time. Get that out of your head it's a misconception sometimes they do but it's the minority there these are totally different fights the uh, second time around in most cases I like UL to conserve his energy a little more here land a late knockout press who you got
3: uh, just to clarify because I'm, I'm sorry I was dealing with a very angry fellow in the chat did we say that this was a was this is a officially a three round fight now that's what UFC
1: Beckham says.
3: Yeah, we
2: don't know officially. Uh, I
1: mean, you know. UFC would have had to actually gone in and change that because right. it was always, it was always five rounds. So I okay, had heard that's three the- rounds. You know, the bloody elbow guys were saying it was three rounds.
3: All right, so that's interesting. I mean, that because my my biggest factor in this fight was that Yoel. uh the biggest factor in this fight for me was that Robert Whittaker can fight when he's tired, and Yoel Romero can't. That was the biggest thing. I was, I was basing my pick on. If this is a three-round fight, I think that probably Yoel Romero will be able to use his wrestling enough and um, use his darting in and out uh, stri- striking enough to maybe take a decision. But I did like – I liked um, the uh, adjustments Whitaker made last fight. I, lo- I love that he used that, that push kick, uh, really dig it to the body when Yoel tried to leap in and, you know, really keep him at range and also, you know, uh, further work to tire him out, I still think Romero would do well to find some more rest positions. Like Because a lot of times when he gets takedowns, he just he just tries to bash your head in right away. And in doing that, he gives people the space to get up. Right. If he could, you know, lock down uh, a half guard or something, or even let himself get put in guard, I mean, he shouldn't really have that much to fear from from uh, Robert guard just to get some rest periods, I think it would help him a lot. But um, I I think that in a three round fight, hmm, that actually might change my whole pick. Um, in a three round fight, I, I I think that Romero should probably be able to, um, like I said, mix in the wrestling. Um, he's 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 more effective. He's most effective, I should say. That like as we saw in the. Um, Luke will fight when he can back his opponent up and then blitz and then his opponent is nowhere to go. Um, but Robert Whitaker is going to he's going to have a hard time doing that to Whitaker, who loves to dart in and out and keep a frenetic pace. Um, a three round fight makes this much closer to me, for me. But um, just for the sake of consistency, I picked him on the um, uh, Little Wire staff picks. So I'm going to go with Whitaker to outlast in the decision.
2: Okay, before I let Joe, before I let Joe go, I, I, I'm late to add into the chat because we hadn't had many people jump on. If you're listening to this after the fact, we do these live on, fr- on Fridays on YouTube, the RotoWire page. Jump in the chat there. We'll usually talk and ask some questions. Um, I'm, I'm in here now. And, Joe, before you give us your pick Whittaker versus Romero, uh, Dave, who I believe is Dr. Beans or Mr. Beans, something along those lines on, on DraftKings and in RotoWire, Laura Sanko or Caroline Pearce?
1: Uh, Man, it's, it's hard to do better. I mean, Laura Sanko is like everybody's dream. She's, uh, she's, she's hot. She likes AM, MMA. Um, I, hard for me to go against Laura Sanko.
2: So that, that's the right answer. Now yeah. for, for the more important piece. Who you got? Whitaker Romero.
1: Okay, so this was interesting, right? So I always said that I would rather have a fighter you know, miss weight by pounds and ounces, Um, you know, because that means that you if you're missing by pounds, at some point you gave up, where obviously Romero, you know, really tried to make weight, you know. um, I don't know what the story was, why they didn't give him two hours to, you know, apparently his his camp was saying he was like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes away and he would have made the, you know, made the extra pound. Um, I had actually... Liked Romero a fair amount. I mean, obviously, there is significant salary relief. Um, I did not think Whitaker would get a finish, so I did not like him as much on DraftKings for his price. I liked Romero a lot. And then the weight debacle and the fact that it's non-title um, kind of you know pushed me a little bit off of Romero. And now, if this is truly a three-round fight, I pretty much agree with everything Chris said about how three rounds favors Romero. I mean, I think he's a much better play on DraftKings at 7.1 than, than, you know, Whitaker is um, at at 9.1. So I I believe I picked Romero in my staff picks. I can't remember. Um, I will certainly have more exposure to uh, Romero on DraftKings, and I'm feeling a little bit better about his floor, you know, especially knowing now it sounds odd because you want extra rounds. Um, but I feel a little bit better about you know, his chances for an upset. Sorry, not his floor, but chances for an upset in a three-round fight. So I guess I'm going to go with the upset here. Even though it's meaningless because it's not for a title. But I guess I'll go with the upset.
2: All right. So that's what we have for UFC 225 except for our infamous hot takes. Guys, we're running a little long, so let's, let's do these hot
3: takes quickly. Chris, what is your hot take for UFC 225? Well you already know what my hot take is. Mike J- Mike the Truth Jackson storms
2: out. A no, he's still a favorite, not a hot take. Oh
3: come on, but nobody thinks he's gonna knock him out. That's a hot take, man.
2: Oh, no, it's minus two fifteen inside the distance. I'm not letting that go.
3: Ah uh,
1: Well come we'll go back. You can think about it. I'll go and you can think about it. Go ahead, Holly home inside the distance plus what is it, six hundred? Six hundred. That's my hot take.
2: That that is that is a really hot take. Chris, you got one for us yet?
3: Okay. Um, Andre Orlovsky Andre tires out, uh, tied to Avasa and stops him. How's that? Whoa, Orlovsky by finish. That's right. right okay, got, that's a
1: hot take.
2: We got to go um, – we got a few older fighters on this card. No one's really talking about it, but I'm going to say someone – Leaves their gloves in the cage on Saturday. Oh wow, that's a good one. I like that. I don't know who, but between you got Orlovsky, I, I mean Chris Delaroca counts, but no one will
3: care. See, <laughs>
2: CM, CM Punk get the shit kicked out of him and, and and hang him up. So that's true. It could happen. I'm gonna say someone. This is this is their this is their last fight in CM, MMA. Not to CM
1: Punk might not know what it means to leave his glove in the ring. <laughs> I, I you know someone'll whisper it into his ear, okay, okay. Right. I, I like that one. That's solid. I like okay, it. that's solid. Okay, so guys, say, our, our next card is UFC Singapore, which so we have a week. We have a week off, and then that's an odd like that's a four thirty a m uh, Eastern time start on Saturday for that card. All right, I'll bring the cocoa
3: guys.
2: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I'm sure we'll still have you. We'll still we'll still have all of us here for. Friday night. This was UFC 225 presented by Rotowire, the Fight IQ podcast. Everyone, good luck in your contest, and we'll see you in two weeks as we get ready
3: for Singapore. Word.